Hello, my name is Alex Gould. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Skills with People podcast from Gould Training. Hello, in today's podcast, Phil Gould and I discuss some training we provided for a software company. From time to time, if something went wrong with the software, customers became angry and complained loudly. So the company was keen to equip their customer-facing technical engineers with the skills for handling unhappy customers a bit more effectively. Because in the end, it all boils down to trust, doesn't it? If you like the sound of what we're saying about the training we provide, and you think it might be interesting, useful and relevant for you, or for someone you know, then contact us through our website at gouldtraining.co.uk for more information. And you can use the website to get in touch with us if you'd like to suggest a topic for an upcoming podcast. We'd be delighted to hear from you. So, uh, hello again, Alex. Good afternoon. What should we talk about today? I'd really like us to talk about the software company we've been doing some work for lately. You mean the, the one we were invited in by the customer experience director to deal with their customer service engineers? That's right, yes. Okay, yeah. Let's talk about that. Why don't you start by saying what we were trying to help them with? He had become increasingly concerned about the risk of them losing customers to competitors. Mm -hmm. And having analysed some customer feedback, he felt as though they were vulnerable. If a customer left, it would be very hard to win them back. They were working in a very fast developing field, and from time to time, there were going to be problems. The software needed to interact with other systems the customers were using, so bugs and issues and tickets were absolutely inevitable. And he was worried that the about the considerable variation in people's confidence and their ability to handle customers when they were complaining about their technical issues. Yes, a lot of the customers were extremely uptight about it, weren't they? They, they felt at enormous risk. They were so dependent on the software working flawlessly for them. Yes, you're right. The software was pretty critical for them and any problems would have cost them money. So they were pretty irate and sometimes they picked up the phone and they'd harangue the software engineers the people who we were dealing with for fixes immediately and my memory of the software engineers is that they were all well a very high proportion of them were very good at handling people and very good at sorting out technical problems Uh, and yet they still had a great deal to learn about um, how to deal with some of the more tense situations Yes, the vast bulk of them are highly educated and very experienced technically. They're experts in their field. Many of them had warm and friendly relationships and terrifically good rapport with their customers, sometimes even long-standing relationships with the key people in their customers' companies that they dealt with most often. But most of them struggled if the customer got angry. So let's get down to the nuts and bolts. Let's give an idea now, Alex, of how we go about coaching someone like a software engineer to handle a difficult conversation, something he's not highly trained to do, and helping him or her to explore the way they're handling people in the moment. Absolutely. The first step is for us to get a flavour of how they approach these conversations to start with. Why don't you describe how we do that? Well, a very effective way to do it is to role-play it. 
with a bit of a briefing from them and a steer from them about how I should play it realistically, I pretended to be an unhappy or an unsatisfied customer ringing them up to complain. What were some of the common patterns that we were finding? Almost universally, what they didn't like was conflict. It made them very uncomfortable. It immediately put them on the defensive, and because they were on the back foot, even though they were quick to apologise, they sounded hesitant and unsure of what to say, and it wasn't very effective at calming the customer down. They did try to be as reasonable with their customers as possible, I mean, for example, they tried offering facts and figures about the software and dates about patches and information about why the issue was occurring. But unfortunately, the result was that the customers frequently went away still unhappy and the senior managers were being inundated with escalations. That's requests, demands even for someone with more clout to get involved and make things happen even more quickly. So, yes, their natural response was to try to be reasonable with customers. If the customer was showing anxiety or being angry, they would try to be calm and reasonable to the customer. Yes, that was their knee-jerk response. And I remember that as well, handling some of these conversations and and realising that actually these engineers were very reasonable indeed and very, very patient. It was hard to fault the way that they were responding to, to customers. Well... Uh, yes, on one level, because they were being friendly and amiable. But actually, what they were finding is that although they thought it was going to be an effective way of getting through to somebody who's unhappy or who's upset or, or angry, actually, it wasn't working very successfully for them. In fact, the very reason why they were being offered training is because they recognised that that strategy wasn't working for them. So they were pretty receptive to the idea that it's because the person they're talking to wasn't yet in the right frame of mind to be able to absorb all that information. And, and we did experience them beginning to catch on to that. They began to get the idea, didn't they, that when somebody's being emotional, it's often not successful to try to handle that by being reasonable. It, it needs something different. Yes, that's right. Everyone seemed to pick it up pretty quickly and grasp it. What was the thing that we were able to give them which gave them another way? Well the need to make a better connection with their customers by connecting emotionally, by being able to empathise with the situation their customer finds themselves in. We encourage them to get personal, to think about the difficulties the person they're liaising with might be having, the stress they might be under because of the problem that's occurred, the consequences for that person and their career or their professional reputation, what might happen if the software failure isn't resolved promptly. To become even more concrete about it, say a bit more about what we were teaching them to say. Things like, I can imagine this is embarrassing for you. I can imagine that it must be difficult for you to have to handle your bosses if they're angry with you or demanding to know what on earth's going on or what you're going to be doing about it to make sure this problem is resolved. You must be worried about how a glitch with our software might be affecting your reputation. And what, what, what effect did they begin to find that that was having on in their conversations with customers? Well, they found that their customers softened more quickly and that their regular meetings and conference calls with their customers, with their clients, where they'd go over the various issues, that they would finish more quickly and that there would be actually far fewer escalations. 
it was a revelation to them to even think these technical problems might have a knock-on effect to their customers' personal lives. It hadn't even crossed their minds before that the consequences might be that people start worrying about things like their job security, their ability to keep paying the bills, look after the family and the mortgage and so on. Because they saw their job as being technical, that it was unprofessional or or beyond the requirements of the job to actually uh, talk about how people actually felt, what the situation, the stress of the situation actually meant to them. All their training up until that point had been technical training, so they were thinking in terms of what the software does and how the software interacts. And solutions to the problem. Yes, that's right. What we were encouraging them to do, probably for the first time, was to think of the customer on the other end of the phone as a human being first, with all the usual frailties and failings before engaging their brain to solve the problem. But if somebody says to you, but surely the whole point of the job is to help people solve their technical problems, and if people are complaining that something's going wrong with the software, what they want is a technical solution. They don't want all this airy-fairy soft stuff. Well, I wonder. I wonder whether we're giving the impression that what we're describing might be taking a long time or be hard to do or cause the customer to be even more frustrated because it procrastinates getting down to brass tacks and talking about the technical stuff. Do you think people might worry that we're trying to obfuscate or avoid the need to talk about these technical matters? I think a lot of people do see it that way. They're under they're, they're, One of the big problems is that is the pressure of time. And they feel that it's their job to come up with a solution fast. And this is one of the reasons why a lot of them feel so so bad about this sort of situation because they, they, they feel that they're failing to satisfy the customer. And what our training is giving them, I think, isn't, is, isn't it, that, that yes, of course their job is to be a fixer, but the first thing they have to handle is the state of mind of the customer. And if the customer is, a, is a, in a very tense state, then you can't actually have a rational conversation with a customer that's in that state. You first of all have to bring them down, you have to let them let off steam, you have to get them to relax a bit so they can trust you more and then they're in a position to talk to you about what the problem is and how to solve it. So it, take, it takes less time to do that, not more. Yes, that's right. That- I think people might be surprised at how quickly this can be done. With a bit of practice and with a bit of skill, what we're proposing can be done within about half a minute or a minute or so. And if they don't do it, if you if people skip this bit altogether, then it's oftentimes it doesn't matter how good they are technically, it's not going to work, regardless of what they say. They, they did seem to get very excited, didn't they, about the growing awareness and skill to be able to handle just not just the technical problem, but to actually handle the relationship when things got difficult technically. Yes. So, uh, what else? What the, 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 that wasn't the only need that came up with this particular group, was it? Yes, as well as the need to empathise with their customer, we taught them how to firmly and assertively reassure their customer. We showed them how to convey how important it was to them personally to be able to provide a good service and look after the customer. We showed them how to say what they were going to do on behalf of their customer, to be able to advocate on their behalf, to make sure that the managers in charge of the allocating of resources were going to prioritise tackling their bugs. So, for example, to be able to say things like, yes, I'm really keen to be as helpful as I possibly can. Ah. Oh. That, that, I can imagine that the, 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 if I'm a customer and I ring up and the software has let me down, 
and I'm very frustrated and I'm very alarmed about the consequences of this and, and, and the effect on me and how I'm seen by my superiors if I don't get this sorted out pretty quickly. I need to know that the customer service engineer is, is taking me seriously. Right. And I need to know that I am, that, that he realizes how serious this is and that he's highly motivated that I'm top of his list of priorities. I need to know that yes. he's with me. And I won't know this unless he actually tells me. And right. this is what you're saying, yes. isn't it? That, 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 that yes. We've gotten to spell out the straightforward thing like, I can hear this is urgent for you, and it's my, it's my top priority. I, I will be with you until this is sorted. Stuff like that, so that he can relax and feel, ah, I'm being looked after. And to say this is what I plan to do about it and I'll keep you in the loop every step of the way. Right. And it reminds me of the reason why we were called in for this in the first place, because it was the customer experience director who realised that making customers feel they were being properly looked after and paid attention to was one of their most important competitive issues. Yeah, he, he was worried that customers might leave for competitors if they didn't feel adequately looked after. So, so you, could be, you could be brilliant technically, but if you can't actually handle, talk to the customer in a way that makes the customer feel understood and confident that, you've got, that he's got your best attention, then he's going to lose confidence in you. Let's summarise the skills we're discussing here, because this really isn't meant to sound hard. Because it sounds, it sounds quite... Um, complicated what we were trying we were training them to talk and that's not the way we thought of it was it we were trying to get them to be simple yes indeed simple straightforward respectful disarmingly honest we taught them first of all to respond with empathy to respond with empathy you say how you think the customer feels what about and why so for example you might say you sound incredibly frustrated about this bug about this issue it must be really inconvenient because it's preventing you from doing such and such. And so that the customer would then say, yes, too damn right. Yes, exactly. So it's good if the customer says something like that because they'll be starting to let off steam, which is a necessary step towards them calming down. And we encourage people to build on that. So we'd recommend they go on and do it again and say a bit more. They might then say... I imagine this is particularly frustrating for you because you're, you've probably got serious people on your back demanding answers. Absolutely. This is a customer. A customer can't help letting off steam if you say something along those sorts of lines to show him that you appreciate how serious this is for him. Yep. And they might even do it a third time by saying, uh, I imagine that you're particularly worried about how long it might take for us to resolve this matter. Well, yes, because in the past this has been really problematic. I'm being the customer now. Yeah, I've got it. <laughs> so that's the first step, being able to empathise and doing it two or three times in a row like that works very effectively. Being able to, the, the other person beginning to feel understood. And then the other side of the coin by saying, I'm really keen to get this resolved for you as quickly as possible. So I, I, as a customer, I'm, I'm thinking... Good, that sounds, that's what I want to hear. And then say, I'll need to go away and discuss this with my colleagues. 
and I'll come back to you as quickly as I can with a plan of action. And as the customer, I imagine myself as the customer in this conversation, I'm not feeling too good at the moment. And I've therefore got a pretty long face. Yes. And we were training the engineers to be more observant, to notice when the customer had a long face, not to ignore it, and to continue to empathise. If you do it respectfully and honestly, then the other person is very likely to feel better. Well, you then need to need to say, "I can see that this that, that you're not that, that this doesn't this doesn't really help yet." I can see that from from the expression on your face, I haven't I haven't yet helped you. I realise that, which is so you you keep doing it. You keep noticing how the customer is is feeling, so that he can relax a bit. And when his boss questions him about it and expresses the same anxiety, he can say to his boss, no, I, I, I really think these people are doing their best for us, boss. I, 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 felt, I, I felt I trusted this engineer to be, doing, to, to be getting his people to be doing their best for us. Because in the end, it all boils down to trust, doesn't it? The, ne- the name of the game is, is, is with this, in this kind of industry, the software industry, that things go wrong. And it's about how you deal with customers when things go wrong. That's, that's really the central part of it. I'm having a thought. There are a couple of things that are probably worth mentioning. The first of which is the other reason we were brought in to this company to, to offer some training which is to help them feel a bit more comfortable with the next step where they were having to negotiate with colleagues internally often rather more senior people who perhaps they were intimidated by where they were needing to advocate strongly firmly on behalf of their customer in order to make sure adequate resources were available in order to be able to so that's so what that's that's great so what you're saying is that it's all very well giving the service engineers the skills for handling difficult conversations with customers effectively but that isn't going to wash that isn't going to be any use unless they can also get development needed within the company to sort out those problems of the customer maybe it needs new software maybe it needs a patch developing They've got to manage the people who manage the resources to do that sort of thing within their own company. Yes, and the people they were needing to negotiate with were under often themselves under enormous pressure. There was an inbuilt tension, wasn't there? I mean, the company made money from selling new software products, so that was their priority. And it meant there was almost constantly a struggle. They were spread often pretty thinly. They had to split themselves between making sure resources were available for new developments while also retaining sufficient manpower to fix bugs in the software that had already been released. So what we taught the customer service engineers to be able to do was to assertively challenge these pressurised and put-upon managers. We taught them to feel more comfortable talking about how worried they were about the risks of customers leaving if they didn't feel sufficiently looked after. So they would be talk, they'd, be, they'd go to the head of the, of the software development department and say, I've got this customer who's, who's really in, in trouble because of the software, uh, needs fixing straight away. Uh, I need one of your engineers, some time of one of your engineers on this. And the chap would say, like to help, but sorry, all my people are tied up. Well, yes, that was fairly typical. 
what they needed to do was to empathise with the manager in order that he'd then feel understood by them rather than just pilloried. So we got them to say things like, I realise how stressful all this must be for you, trying to juggle all the work that we've got coming in. It must be difficult for you to even think about sparing anybody right now. To which they would receive the answer, yes, it is. And I'm too busy to carry on this conversation any further. Goodbye. Oh, well, all right. Well, in response to something like that, we teach them to ratchet up their assertiveness and say something even more powerful, like, I'm alarmed about the consequences of not adequately supporting this big customer, this important customer, because I'm afraid that they might decide to leave. So we were, we were training them to be more difficult to say no to uh, on the part of the people inside their own organization. If they went to them and said, look, I, we were training them to, 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 to fight more successfully on behalf of the customer with their own internal resources. That's right. And the two things seemed to go very comfortably hand in hand, didn't they? On the one hand, telling them, training them to be more understanding as well as more firm with customers, coupled with training them to be understanding and yet very hard to say no to uh, by their own internal yeah. people. It didn't work every single time because occasionally they did need to go back to their customers and say... Unfortunately, with the best will in the world, we've been told, no, that this particular bug or this particular ticket, uh, although it might be frustrating or irritating for you, it's so far down the list of priorities, realistically, it's not actually going to be able to be attended to for quite some time just yet. And they did need to occasionally uh, be able, uh, have those uncomfortable conversations where they had to say no to a customer. So that was yet another thing that they wanted a bit of help with, wasn't it? Which was how to say no, how to, how to handle those very difficult confrontations where they had to, at the, on the one hand, disappoint the customer and on the other hand, do it in a way which didn't damage the relationship with the customer. I, I suspect that actually this topic of saying no without it jeopardising your reputation or your career might be a suitable topic for... Uh, another yeah, podcast good. I think I let's, think there's a lot, let, a lot, a lot of mileage yeah, we, that's, that's we, might, we might actually do that fairly yeah. soon thank you for listening to the skills with people podcast from ghoul training I do hope you enjoyed the episode to find out more about the skills with people training course and how you can arrange to have a free initial coaching session go to gouldtraining.co.uk and go to the Contact Us page.